Hi! Welcome to One Controller Board Podcast, episode 51. We are past the 50 mark now. So, here we are today in a new world, recording a podcast that's still about video games, even today. Only after 50 episodes, we're still sticking on it. There's still more to be said about video games. I drank a little bit of water there. Probably shouldn't do that mid-podcast, but I just did it. So, hey, episode 51, I'm Benjamin Yoder. I'm here today. As I said earlier, talking about video games. Um, So, uh, let's just, just talk about games. Let's just talk about games I've been playing this week. I didn't really find any new stuff that I was interested in. I did flip through some mobile games that I was uh, looking through. Or, well, I wasn't specifically flipping through mobile games, but inevitably... So, I have a Feedly set up, and I look through game news on there and i've mixed in a bunch of japanese websites in there like inside and for gamer in addition to some american ones like you know silicon era uh vg247 stuff like that um a lot of sites i've been looking at for a long time i don't really know if there's any other big news sites right now that have cropped up in recent years or anything like that i don't really read polygon or Kotaku or anything like that um because those are like those sites are more about like gaming culture i feel like and that's never been something I've been super interested in, um, personally at least. I think that's more what people are more interested in these days, but I, I could be wrong. Who knows? Um, I don't know where I was going with that, worth that, but I have a big note here on my piece of paper, my Word document thing. It's not printed out. That says Penny Punching Princess. Uh, Penny Punching Princess, I, I streamed a little bit of it on um, on Thursday. Yes, yes, Thursday. And uh I I don't know how well it came off. <laughs> I don't know how well how well I demonstrated it really. But what I really like about penny punching I, I was kind of disoriented after this whole hubble I was disoriented because <laughs> uh thousand arms, I was we were about to beat it, and then the game froze, basically. So I'm getting on track now. Penny Punchy Princess. Uh, it's basically like a little uh, top-down beat-em-up game. You run through these little environments that are filled with traps. A lot of traps. Um, and then uh, a bunch of enemies will spawn. And, and when they spawn, it also gates you off to a certain area with these crystals around you that lock you into that area. Um, but the big thing is is that um, you have like a basic melee combo, but it's kind of like a last-ditch resort kind of thing. What's, what's more more effective is you have a calculator and um that calculator basically calculates how much money it would take to or you basically calculate how much money you're going to pay an enemy to bribe them um and each each enemy has like a bribe number above them so it's like oh this little skeleton man uh if i bribe them a hundred gold they will come to my side and then move to my city um so it's like you then basically they don't really like fight for fight with you. They just kind of become a power within your within your arsenal. So, so if you bribe a skeleton, then you get two attacks with him, where he'll slice in front of you and stuff. Um, and like specifically the skeleton slice, it's not super useful, but there are certain skills that are very useful, like um, the wolves that like dash through packs of enemies and stuff, do a lot of damage and hit a lot of enemies. Um, so you basically bribe these enemies and um and they become a power within your your arsenal and then you have to wait a certain amount of time before you can bribe another enemy. Um you can also bribe the traps as well. So there's like if there's like a, a flame trap that shoots flames out, you can bribe it and it'll stop shooting flames. So A, it's an obstacle no longer in your way. 
uh, and then B, you can use the flames to hit enemies at that point. Same thing, limited number of use, two, three times, and then once that's done, it's done. Um, um, and then when you when you bribe enemies, that also gets rid of them too. So if you have a particularly strong enemy that you don't want to fight, and they also have like a powerful skill, um, you can bribe them, and then they're off the map, and then you also get to use their skill. Um, and it's kind of interesting how they had to balance this because they obviously want you to spend money, but at the end of the game, at the end of each level, um, you do, I believe, you do get the money amount you have left over taken back to your city to spend on crafting armor and crafting or like building statues in your town. Um, but the uh, but the guys that you bribe also move into your town and they don't really do anything at that time. They like they more more or less become like a material or resource for crafting things. So if you like bribe like three floating swords and then like two other like flame traps or something you might get like flame sword armor or something like that i'm completely making that up specifically but but the general concept is is there um and so you basically even though you're bribing these enemies and using them in combat um it's not all to waste if you if you spend that money they it contributes to your resources back at town for you to make new things um the statues you can make uh give you skill points and those skill points can level up your character and stuff like that. So it's it's kind of neat, but the level variety is pretty pretty low. It's pretty much just a, a I don't know if a grid is the right word, but it, it's pretty uh, pretty straightforward of just like these little assorted maps with like little hallways between them, and essentially there's a room, and you go in that room. And there's like a bunch of pillars or something that will keep you from moving between area to area. And while there are different worlds with different aesthetics and different music. Um, it's, if there's not much variety, uh, the big difference comes in the enemy types and the traps that are in the area, but even then, a lot of them kind of replace each other in terms of their functionality. Um, they, they do have their, all their little, like, little quirks and stuff, though. Um, but I think I might sit down and try to beat it either way. I rented it from Gamefly, so there's always the temptation to say, okay, I've seen what this game has to offer, let's send it back. But I've been I've been playing with more of the armor sets, and um, one thing that's kind of nice about them is not only do they have like a, a defense stat and attack stat, but they also have like a built-in skill with them. So each one has like like the one I'm using right now has like a fireball skill, which shoots out a fireball in front and can hit multiple enemies, but it also has like plus to stun. So I could try to stun a bunch of enemies in a group essentially. Uh, and the last one I had was like a spinning wheel windmill thing that that hit a bunch of. Uh, enemies at once and the one before that I had was just like a it just had like a self-cure on there but the the defense was really low so the intention was that you would use the skill fairly frequently and try to heal up uh, as much as possible using that so yeah it's kind of interesting because each of the little uh little enemy types kind of have different effects and there's some that are are more or less just tools for you like there's a little heart guy that will run at you and he doesn't attack or anything he can't push you around and get in your way which is kind of frustrating <laughs> um but basically the intention of him is that you'll bribe him and then use him to heal yourself so some boss fights you just have a heart guy running around all the time you can you can bribe and heal um and then some of the smaller bosses you can actually bribe them as well uh the only diff the only problem with that is that um that typically ends the mission and um, you get kind of a low score if you're not effectively like building a score until you bribe them. And then also, you know, you spend all your money because they're pretty expensive, they're like three to thousand typically from what I've seen early on. Um, and you can also like um, 
you can also basically uh when you bribe them, you can also use them as material as well. So, so they're valuable to have if you have something that's that's trying to get it. Um, each armor as well has like a, a money cap on it, so you can't carry us over a certain amount of money. So it really is encouraging you to like spend money in the encounter. And I found that, and if you're not spending money, if you're trying to save up money, typically it's going to end with you dying pretty soon. <laughs> uh, you really have to manage the traps and enemies, especially the traps in like boss fights and stuff, because um, not only as you spend them do they do they turn off, uh, so they're no longer hitting you, but you want to try to manage as much damage to the boss as possible, since the traps are kind of the big thing for dealing damage to the boss. Um, but if you run out of traps, then, you know, you're kind of stuck fighting the boss either with your fists or if there are enemies left, you know, using whatever enemy skills are available to you. So it's a cute little thing. Um, I I don't know how much I like it per se, but it's kind of the hard thing with Gamefly where it's like I'm playing these games less because I chose to play them and more because I was sent them because that's just how I handle my Gamefly is I put the games I'm not interested in playing on my Gamefly. Um, and it's like, huh, should I beat this? I don't know. We'll see. I hear it's only like 15 hours. So I think if I sit down, grind out some armor and stuff, I'll probably get through the story fairly easily. Um, there are multiple characters, but I'll probably just play with the one main character, maybe very shortly dabble around in the other characters. But yeah, it's, it's a, it's a cute little game. Um, it just, uh, a little repetitive. So I've gotten to the point about like five hours in where I just like, I just mute it. And then, and then listen to a podcast or something while playing. <laughs> um, the the cutscenes are pretty cute too. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a neat game. I'll I'll spend more time with it. I don't know if it'll evolve much more than than what I've currently played. But yeah, uh, what I have been playing that is more of a choice. Um, although I've been playing it because I have a friend group that's starting to consider trying to do the multiplayer in it is uh, Dragon Quest Heroes Two. Um, I picked it up because of the multiplayer stuff, but I've been really enjoying the single player uh, a lot. I it's a Omega Quin or no Omega shoot whatever that Tecmo Koei company is that does the Omega Omega Force game. That's what it is. Uh, who does all like the uh, you know uh, Dynasty Warriors type games? I forget what they're called the Muso games. <laughs> and so they, you know they did all the like you know Hyrule Warriors stuff, things like that. Um, Dragon Quest Heroes 2, so the thing is, I really like the style of Dragon Quest a lot. I'm not a big fan of the gameplay in the main Dragon Quest series, so any game that's like, here's the style of this game, also here's a more involving combat system, uh, is immediately more appealing to me than most other Dragon Quest games. Um, but I've been really liking it so far. It's, it's kind of interesting to see how much of like a RPG it is even though it is a, a kind of hack and slash kind of thing. And the story's been really good. But uh, the one thing I want to kind of talk about today was that the the voice acting, actually, um, it does... If you've, if you've been playing Dragon Quest, I think since Dragon Quest Eight in the U.S., they've been doing uh, voice acting that's more of a, like, old English kind of British accent kind of vibe to it. Um, and I really like that a lot. It gives a lot of, like, flavor and character... Or, flares a lot of the characters um but I did have a friend that was playing alongside of signed me on it and he was just like he's playing in Japanese because it had dual language options and he was like oh this these subtitles are really weird for how the <laughs> for how the Japanese voices sound and it got me thinking like I don't know so I think typically Dragon Quest games in the past in Japan will not have voice acting maybe maybe Dragon Quest Heroes I mean maybe it's it's more common in the spin-off games but uh, I think typically, like, Dragon Quest, 
11 in Japan has no voice acting, uh, where I think in America it will have voice acting. Um, and Dragon Quest 8 didn't have voice acting in Japan, and in America they added voice acting for Dragon Quest 8. Um, it's kind of interesting to think about, though, because Dragon Quest kind of has this style that was set like back in the NES days when it was localized by Nintendo and it it's it's stuck and I don't know how much of that is true to the original Dragon Quest um but I think it's translated really over or over really well into like creating voice acting and stuff for these games um <clears throat> it it just gives them a really unique feel it reminds me of a lot of the original like Xenoblade I'd say the original like Xenoblade probably has a better voice cast uh, but compared to like Xenoblade 2, it's definitely Dragon Quest Heroes 2 is more consistent than like a Xenoblade 2. Um, but yeah, I like the voice acting and it, it always brings up the issue of like when you're doing uh, English, if you're if you're writing a script for for like English voice acting, it then becomes very different in the subtitles when you compare it to the Japanese uh Japanese uh tone and stuff like that and I had that issue with like Gunvolt 2 where where it was like here's all this English dialogue where we've really kind of changed up the the flow of the conversations but the only option available was Japanese um voice acting and it just creates this weird like mismatch of the subtitles not really fitting the voice acting that's happening on screen at that moment and so with Dragon Ghost Heroes 2 I, I, I find it a, a bit more understandable due to like um you know there is an actual English <laughs> English track and uh and the subtitles were built for that um I don't know what particularly is a good answer is for that because typically I guess you would say oh well you should you know push the subtitles towards you know being more active the Japanese version but you know that re basically requires you to be translating the script over twice essentially also I'm someone who likes turning on subtitles even when it's in uh English so so I would I would like it to be more consistent for the English release yeah it's 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 an interesting question to run into but I I still think that the Dragon Quest uh English voice acting is very valuable to listen to um it has a very unique flair to it at least and I think with any video game that does like accents and stuff, it always it sounds fairly unique compared to the typical voice cast you have for a game like that. Dragon Quest Heroes 2. I'm liking it so far. I'm only about like five hours in, but uh, I, I'm looking forward to playing more. I think it's like 35 to 40 hours long, so it's going to be a little bit of time. It's a good fun game, though, so far. I love the characters in it, though. It's, it's, it's <laughs> Dragon Quest games always just like bleed personality, which I like. Um, let's do the fortune cookie. Fortune cookie time. If this is your first time here, fortune cookie is where I pull a random game out of my collection and talk about it. I don't know what it's going to be at, at this time, so it's just what we get is what we get. And then also, I forgot to uncheck the unfinished games. Well, no, I want to leave unfinished checked. The, the, the issue is that sometimes unplayed games will show up in there. Like, I just got the Legend of Zelda Minish Cap, and I've never played Minish Cap. Hotful Boyfriend, Hotful Complete Edition PC. I don't think I've played the Hotful Complete Edition. I actually bought this game on DL site a long time ago. Long time ago. I think there's like 500 downloads when I originally purchased it. Uh, Hotful Boyfriend all obviously has gotten much more popular since then. <laughs> this is, I think this is like 2012 is when the DL site version came out. I'm just, let's just, you know, let's just go. DL site, Hotful Boyfriend. Let's see what release date is. I'm curious when this game originally came out. February 15th, 2012. I'm pretty sure I played it that year or the year after um, for the original version. Oh, this looks like a hot full complete edition. This looks like what I might own. Yeah, 
very cheap. It's like a $4 game, $4, $5 game, but a very beefy um, visual novel. It has like five or six story arcs and it goes places. Um, and I think it might be a lot more common to say it goes places these days and stuff like Doki Doki, uh, what's it called? Doki Doki literature club or something like that and that being kind of more of a well-known thing huddleful boyfriend i think was a bit more unexpected for me maybe it's just a matter of hey which one's your first visual novel that has a sudden turn in it you know there's like the the madoka series where where that magical girl thing turns over to being a bit more dark or something um i like that the huddleful boyfriend though because i think they get this the tone down very well um of it eventually I feel like I'm just spoiling this game. Hotful Boyfriend, it's that, it's that bird dating game. I don't know. I'm just going to say, hey, sorry, I'm, I've probably already spoiled some stuff. But like, hey, if you haven't played the Hotful Boyfriend and you you know you're going to and you don't want to be spoiled, go, go ahead and turn this podcast off because I, I feel like the the value of that game is in the back half. But uh, essentially, and I think, uh, I think it's a fairly well-known thing maybe. I'm not sure. Um, I think the, the thing that might keep people from getting to it is that Huffle Boyfriend is actually a fairly dense game up front. There's a lot of playtime you need before you start getting into the main core of the story. But essentially you can date like, f- I think five or six different birds. And then once you've dated all of them, or I think if you've gone down certain paths is what it is, um, essentially it becomes like a, a human murder <laughs> simulator. You're the one human at the school and all these birds are at the school, but you're like friends with these birds um and then eventually like i think one of the the days opens up with you from the perspective of one of the other birds rather than uh the main character and and you come into the classroom and like the the character you're playing before the human girl had like her head cut off and put in a bag or something on the desk and then it becomes like this weird survival horror thing where these birds are going around the school trying to run away from this big monster that's chasing them around and then they're like holding up in the janitor's closet and stuff <laughs> and like trying to figure out what they're going to do. And like if they try to escape the school, they're getting shot by humans and stuff. It's it's a very, um, very weird thing. It looks like it has like 7,000 downloads on DL site. I imagine the Steam version is probably what sold the best. Uh, but I mean, for a DL site game, that's like immense. Most DL site games have like 50 downloads at most, 500 if you're super popular. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, Huffle Boyfriend, I, I liked that game a lot. I think that the the payoff of the are like, oh, this is actually like a dark game kind of thing is pretty good. Um, and, you know, I, I feel like this game was on the front or the, the, the earlier, t- earlier grounds of, oh, look at this weird visual novel thing. I mean, 2012 good while ago like six years ago so so i think it's a lot more common now to have like oh you're you're dating this thing but you know i'm sure somebody could go and say before 2012 there's this thing where you're dating this other weird thing um but i think it's a lot less common or a lot more commonplace now uh the trademark on these are 2011 i wonder if it came out somewhere else before well this is the english version so maybe the japanese version came out in 2011 um yeah boyfriend it's a good time. That's going to do it for this week, I think. Let me check the time. Yeah, that's going to do it for this week. Um, I'm going to hopefully have an article up this week. So it's not going to be anything particularly special. It's just something I had laying around that I never published. So I'm cleaning it up, putting it out. Uh, Xenoblade, I've gotten... <clears throat> I'm taking a slow time on it, sorry. But um, I've gotten uh, probably about... Um, uh, 
a third through the process. I've gotten through the script process, I've gotten through the recording process, and the editing process of the audio. So now it's the matter of actually making the video. Uh, I know there is some footage I still have to record, um, so it's going to take a little time, and and it's going to be a hefty video. So, you know, a lot of it depends on how um, specific a lot of the footage is. Um, this is also the first time I'm using my new capture card. And probably the first like third of the Xenoblade 2 footage I have has an issue where the audio sync is off because the software I was using was not syncing the audio properly, unfortunately. Um, but then I switched over to OBS and things are better. Although I think the, the video quality on OBS seems to be worse for some reason. It might just be the actual like color tones coming through a lot less. But um, but yeah, we'll see. Um, I don't I don't expect Xenoblade 2 to be done this week. Hopefully next week, but I also have my doubts on that. So. So yeah, that's going to be it. Thanks for listening, and you have a good week. Bye.